0: You're listening to audio from Plank Harvest Church, located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org.
1: Validates the first guy. And the problem is is that in our culture, we've let the, the crazy people validate one another, and the, the righteous people have forgotten how to stand up and speak the word of truth. The Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? And, um, and so that testimony wasn't rehearsed, and I thank you for that. Um, I have another testimony for you, but I want you to wait for a second before we, we break it out on you. Our main scripture there this morning is Matthew 28. And so last week is we're going to be Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And last week we saw, well, two weeks ago, we saw Jesus coming in, the, 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 uh, huh, the triumphal entry, and he comes into Jerusalem on the donkey, and then we see the next week, last week. From Passover, we see him have the Passover meal together with his people. Love you, Keith. Glad you're here, brother. Um, we see the Passover meal. Um, we see him break bread with his, with his um, disciples, and he goes on to the cross, and we see him destroyed on the cross. We see him put in the grave, and we see him rise again. And so this morning, and I know this scripture has probably been quoted here more than any other church anywhere that I know of. It's Matthew 28:18 through 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Go there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We've said it a, a million zillion times, we'll say it a million zillion more, because the 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 problem is, is that people quit doing what this scripture told us to do. And we live in a day um Well, you know, so so we have Christ coming in. We had a lot of people come last week. We have some new people here this morning. I appreciate that. But we had people come last week. They won't come again until Christmas time. They heard the word. They went away glad. We had a great service, had a nice time together. We we talked about it. We had a meal together. We broke bread together. We encouraged one another. We loved on one another. And then they went home waiting for the next big, you know, Christian holiday of the year to come so that they could return. And, and that's, just, that's just the nature of men. We're very weak in following. And what do we got to do with the life of Christ? We, it's more to the life of Christ than maybe the Beatitudes and then Easter Sunday and Christmas morning. There's more to that for the life of the believer. And, and what are we supposed to do with it? And we live in a day today that we haven't seen as a country really since the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln said of the Civil War about those days. He said, the days are so evil, I don't see how the Lord could postpone His return another day longer. And here we are 150 years later, more wicked and more evil, and we've seen other events through time. We've seen men do just terribly, terribly wicked things to one another. We've seen it in all nations. We've seen the governments of all nations, including ours, become completely corrupt and you know destroy our money and destroy our economy and 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 raise up this sexual immorality that's going on but you know what it's not the first time it ever happened they called it the roaring 20s because it was the same it may not have been as known but in the big cities it was the same way and and right before nazi germany and world war 1 that world war 1 era in germany and leading up to in the early 30s when hitler gained power their country was completely corrupt but that was I mean it was corrupt sexually immorally their money was debased. It's just like today. And then if you go back to Rome, it was the same thing. Complete sexual immorality amongst the people. One of the ladies was talking this morning. Why did they ask the ladies to have their hair covered in, in Corinthians? Uh, because the prostitutes had their hair uncovered. So we got to be set apart somehow. We got to look different. But we don't, as believers in our culture in general, we don't generally look different than the world. We watch the same things, go to the same places, do the same things. And act the same way. Just ask him at Chick-fil-A how Dale acts at Chick-fil-A when he's not happy with his meal. Just go ask him. Don't ask him. Don't ask him. Don't ask him at Walmart either. Uh, You Just don't. (laughs) I just don't go there. I can't go there. Those people are taking me down. They're making me act like the world by their poor service. Um, But the rise of immorality, sexual addictions, drug addiction, these people dying like dogs over nothing, man, to inject crazy drugs into their bodies so that they can escape in their minds for whatever thing. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And we're just like days in the past. It's happened all throughout time. The Canaanites, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, go further back, Tower of Babel. The reason God separated them because they were going that immoral route as all the people came together, spoke one language. They were going the immoral route. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to be exactly like God, have the power of God, have the ability to travel Through time or supernaturally or whatever they were trying to do, God said, if we don't separate them, there was nothing that they won't be able to accomplish. And we're in the same age today. This is the first time since the Tower of Babel that all men speak the same language through the computer. I can speak Spanish. I can speak Italian. I can speak Czechoslovakian if I want to. I just put it in there and Google makes it say whatever on the other end. So now we're in the same time as the Tower of Babel, all men speaking one language. And just like the Tower of Babel, all men are acting the same way, and they begin to do things that are terrible, and they begin to try to make people. They're trying to genetically produce people, children. And some of these children are having, they can't put a soul in them, but they can make a body that has organs, and then they can take those organs out and do whatever they want with them. It's wickedness beyond wickedness. And in this day, in this terrible day, we've got to have an answer you got to have an answer for the girl who, whose name is Alex and what did she call herself? Abin- Agamemnon or whatever you told us. What was her name? Yeah, whatever. You know, we don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know what they are. They don't know who they are. And nobody has been bold enough to give them an answer. So uh, you get the idea of this last will and testament of Christ, particularly in John. If you went to John, and we're not going to read it this morning. We just did it a couple weeks ago or a month or so ago, two months ago john 14 through 17 there, the last will and testament of christ he tells them exactly start doing this this new command i give unto thee love one another and then he shows them how to do it and how to pray to the father and how to get in relationship right relationship with the father right uh correspondence with the father so so often when we pray it's this one directional prayer do this and care for that and keep me from that and heal me and cure me from all my sins and whatever and then we get up and we never wait for a response from him to hear a word in return or he speaks to your spirit or he speaks through his word or or he just speaks and we never know we wouldn't recognize his voice if we heard it because we've never waited long enough to hear from him um in in response and then we say well god doesn't speak to us he doesn't speak to me i don't know i, I uh, uh, take a second and let him speak if you're doing all the talking you're right he won't speak but the last words that a man gives is the most important words that he'll ever give because he knows he's run out of time. And the last words that Jesus ever gave was this, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I commanded you, and lo I'm with you until the end of the age. If you go to grandpa's bedside and he's and he's dying and he calls you over, and he whispers into your ear, he says, get close, and you get down there, and he's going to tell you where he hid the family jewels, and he's going to tell you, uh, you know, don't sell corn unless it goes over 750 a bushel, and, you know, turn the cattle in on the pasture on the new grass on X and so day, and go look in the barn, because that's where I, I hid a box with some coins in it or whatever. I mean, we listen carefully, because it's the most important thing he ever said. He's not going to get to tell you nothing tomorrow. This is it. This is the word. And the most important thing, not that the other things that Christ said were unimportant, but it was when he commissioned his men to go and do whatever he did he told you to do. And here he gave it in this great commission here. And I want to read it in a couple of these, a couple of the the gospels. It's It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then in Acts. It's not really in John. In John, at the end of John, he kind of pulls Peter aside and gives him an individual commission, which is uh, slightly different from the Great Commission, but it's, and it's very personal. But I just wanted to read these to you quickly from the four Gospels, well, from the three Gospels and Acts. These last words and testaments of Christ go and make disciples, and then we'll, we'll break down that Scripture back. In, in Mark, it's in the very last, from verse 14, in chapter 16 and verse 14, Christ speaking, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the signs through the accompanying, uh, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Go to Luke. Luke chapter 24 and 44. Luke 24 and 44. Luke 24 and 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ, for the Messiah in in Hebrew, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon thee, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them, came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them, and carried up into the heavens. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts 1, Luke writing the book to Theophilus, talking about Christ, how he was taken up, and he, verse 2, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And they returned to Jerusalem, and they went to work. That's the translation there at the end. That was my own little input there. But they didn't the guy had to come get them, so many Christians are doing this. They're sitting, gazing up into the heavens, waiting for Christ to return, and they're not doing the work that he assigned them to do in the day that they were alive on the earth and doing what they're supposed to do. If we go back to Matthew, which, just for a moment there, it just to break that verse down, just the very first part, it's one of the greatest, it's the. It's a very simple command. It's, it's not hard to understand. It's, it tells us what to do. Many people say that. I hear that a lot. I wish God would just tell me what to do. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Right? He tells you what to do. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things. I command it. Can you do that? It's what he tells you to do. And so you just go do that part right there. If you would go and do that part, you would be more in obedience to Christ than 90% of the Christians that have ever lived. Truly. So many Christians are the Dead Sea Christians that have received the word filled with abundant treasure of gold silver precious stone but they're dead because the living water flows in but it never flows back out and everything around them's dead and there's no fruit and there's no fish in the sea and we're supposed to be like the sea of galilee living water flowing in living water flowing out trees all around abundant fruit around vineyards fish in the sea supporting people all around boats on the sea catching the fish and people being made alive by the waters you're either dead water or you're live water but most of us are dead water tragically not you guys of course you're very spiritual here but the rest of the christians out there are very dead water but it says initially it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations and i know we've taught on this a lot and i know many of you are doing this but we gotta if you were to ask people what the power verb is in this sentence they'll tell you it's go it means go but that's not the power verb the power verb in this is make disciples of all nations. That's the power verb. That's the go is the implying. It just means since you're going anyway, while you're out and about, make disciples. You're going anyway. You're going to the store anyway, make a disciple. You're going to church anyway, make a disciple. You're going to whatever, CrossFit. Well, I don't see anybody in here going to CrossFit. But if you were going, <laughs> I love you all. So Somebody in here, Emily runs, she told me, she squares up and down, she runs. So she's, she's our one fit person, and Kurt, Kurt and his son. So we got three. All right. So right in that little collection right there is the healthy people. But the rest of us, schlubs, um, while we're going and doing everything but going to the gym, make disciples, and it says, of all nations. It, so, if you go to Africa, make disciples. If you don't go to Africa, then make disciples where you are. I understand. Some of us can't travel. I understand. But I will tell you that Uncle Ray back there, 82 years old, was on a mission trip with me less than a year ago. I'm telling you, you can go. You just choose not to. You can go. You just don't want to. Loretta says she's not going anywhere. Well, they don't have a nice, clean toilet seat. She ain't going. She has minimum hygiene standards, and she ain't going. But it says Loretta to go and make disciples. You're going anyway. You're going to the store anyway. Make a disciple. At least talk to them. We got all kind of Bible tracts. There's Bible tracks there. And uh, Mark he, he got them put back out of the bag. There's Bible tracks in them. But we got Bible tracks. Give them a Bible track. Mark hands them a Bible track when we're just doing stuff just the quick and the quick and dirties. We're checking out where we're going. There's people in line. He goes, Hey, I just got this little thing I want you to read. He says, it's just a little test. You take it. I didn't do too very, very good on it. You see how you do. Okay, thanks, man. And they take it. Maybe they read it. Maybe they don't. But it gets set down and maybe somebody else picks it up. John Bunyan um, received Christ. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, received Christ from a Bible track he found in the street and writes Pilgrim's Progress in the Holy War, some of the greatest literature ever next to the Bible. It works. Tell people you got to tell them. Go and make disciples. And what's the problem is now is that we're in, we are today in the church the end result of generations that have not gone and made disciples, and now we're paying with people that have become disciples of transgenderism or gay rights or gay marriage or or divorce is is the goal and not the and not, you know, marriage for life, one husband, one wife for life, or not having children. If you don't believe it, the average age for people to have children now is like 30 years old, to have their first child. Used to be like 16, 18. And we make fun of those people from old that had 10 children, but they were being obedient to God's word that said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And we say, wait, no, you got to graduate college, you got to go to whatever, you got to get your thing, you got to work in your thing, and when you're 35, you can have one kid. No, that's not what God's Word says. Do what God's Word says. And because of that, because the Christian parents quit having Christian children that they taught, and they were like arrows in the quiver of a godly man, the arrow's not designed to stay in the quiver. It's designed to be shot towards the enemy. The arrows. So we prepare our children, and we start shooting them out there, with the gospel they're filled with the gospel and so they take the gospel with them and they go out and instead we've allowed the world we we let the philistines train our jewish children and then we wonder why our kids act like philistines we send our kids to public schools and we send them to government this and that and we let them watch tv until they're about whatever mentally ill and then we're like well how could you possibly think we ask our kids how could you think that this this aspect of christianity is wrong or that god didn't create the earth or that you know uh, evolution's the way to go because you let them be indoctrinated by the world and you never countered it not you but you me and now we're paying the price for not going and making disciples starting with our own family of all nations and the rest of the earth and so now we have people in positions of power over us that crush us and oppress us and afflict us greatly we don't understand us i wanted mark just to to give us a quick testimony here of something that happened this week but just know that we've weakened our doctrine um in the true church come on Mark. Uh, we've weakened our doctrines in the true churches of jesus christ in relations to these commands of christ because we haven't been obedient in doing them and so we don't have to wallow in the failures of believers in the past we just have to begin to be rightly dividing the word of truth as believers today. we got to go and make disciples and baptize and teach them all things that I commanded you. Go ahead. Mark's going to give us just a, a short testimony. Get away from that speaker if you would, brother. Don't Come in the middle there.
2: Well, yeah. There we go. Hey, guys. How's it going? Shabbat. So, um, what happened was the fact that um, I go to Cookville pretty regularly and I look for opportunities to share wherever the lord may lead however in this particular instance i was coming out of uh, Biomet, and um, i was getting in my car and and you know that the eyes are the windows to your soul and so you look out over the world your soul looks out over the world through your eyes so does father so does jesus so does the holy spirit who lives in you so here you are you're, if you're looking out there you looking at whatever you're looking at just know that that can be a warning too Um, But anyhow, so I get in the car, and and, uh, I'm backing out, and I look over to the right, and there's a a little uh, lean-to where a group of people are. And so I'm, I'm trying to look at the spelling on it, and it was the Society for Black Engineers. And so I'm looking at it, Lord's looking at it, so the Lord says to me, I want you to go over there. So I backed out and pulled into another spot, sat there for a moment, dug up some tracks, right? And so I started walking over there, I get over there, and there's about six or eight people, but, you know, Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might win some. So we don't jump right in with the gospel, and you certainly don't jump right in with the law, because there's no love in law, okay? It's, love is the greatest motivator for people. So I got up there and I started talking to him about AI. I'll try to make this short, but uh, um, I just want to give the Holy Spirit his just do it's not about me it's about God and so um, I just started talking about AI and how they shut it all down because they were afraid because this thing is growing so fast that it, it put them on their heels and so the idea that uh, they put AI in front of the bar exam and it passed guys South how fast this is going but these were all young people who were going to Tennessee Tech um, and it was the black uh, members of the, of the society and the campus. So here I walk on up, right? <laughs> here I go, I'm walking on up, and I'm praying on the way, right? Because you know you're gonna run into some hindrance. So I get up there, about six or eight people underneath the tent. And the rest of them, they had some kind of a car wash going on, which I didn't know at the time. But I said, you know, what's going on? And they said, well, we're this and we're that. And after I got done sharing with them, and um, I just switched it over took the natural things and switched it into the supernatural and just began to speak about the love of the father and how much he loves us he's not angry the church and religion has depicted father is angry he's not angry he loves us and so what i did is by telling him that and continuing to rehearse that is it created a safe place people aren't going to give you much if they are on their guard If they think you're bringing something that's going to be adverse, they got their shield up and you don't get a word in edgewise. What I did is I created a safe place. So six or eight or ten of them are standing there, they're listening, and some of the other ones just kind of wandered off. And the Holy Spirit just does what he does because he's good at that. Now, the thing about it is, is most people don't witness to people because they have no confidence. But the reality is, if you've been in the Word, do not worry about what you're going to say. Because in that very hour, I will bring to remembrance. Come on, guys. I could feel the Holy Ghost all over this. I'll bring to remembrance everything I taught you. So you got something to say about Father's love? Because each and every one of you who are born again have experienced the love of the Father. So you have something to say. So I just used that and just begin to talk to him about the love of the Father and how much he loved him. Once I could see the shield come down. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost, it rocked me back on my heels the power of god in there and so as i led him through it and started to describe all of the things that he did for us and all the attributes when i got to the end of it i said does anybody want to pray and two people walked up and said hey, we want to pray so a young woman and a young man gave their life to the lord right there now it says make disciples okay but they got to start it somewhere right i don't know if i'm ever going to see him again if you guys are in ohio Right? And you're ministering to somebody, they give their lives to the Lord. You don't know if you're ever going to see them again. Probably not. Same thing on the phone. But the reality is that you give them enough information, they get born again. Really, it's God's problem to clean the fish, right? (laughs) All we do is catch the fish, okay? So I tell them, do you have a Bible? Yes. Read your Bible. I said, read the red letters. Because. To become a disciple is to follow after Christ. The red letters tells us what a son or a daughter or a child of God looks like, talks like, and acts like. And so that's where we get our orders from. But it said, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. But how can, there, how can, we, uh, how can one believe unless they're told? How can one be told unless there's a preacher? And how can there be a preacher unless one's sent? And we're the preachers. We're the ministers of reconciliation. And if we don't do it, who will? So we have to choose our battle. And we have to get to a place where you don't have to be comfortable. You just have to obey. Because I'm not comfortable. <laughs> and I get up there and you know I'm in this crowd and I just begin to share the love of God. And you have to have the intrinsic value of other human beings. So, women, you all go to the bathroom, right? Take a track into the bathroom and leave it in there. I do it purposefully. Uh, Kurt's probably seen, you guys seen him at the gym, seen him in the bathroom, because somebody's going to be sitting in there, <laughs> right? Somebody going to be sitting in there, might as well read that. And they do. You don't know what happens after that. But Charles Spurgeon said that if you're not concerned about the loss, then you yourself are not saved we gotta, we got to get this going, guys, on a personal level. The other thing was, I wanted to say this on that last meeting, but your mail, who, who still mails their bills or letters? Does anybody still do that in here? Nobody. <laughs> I do. I get them and do it purposefully because on the back of it, I write the gospel because of the mailman, the male woman. So you just put on there, you know, what is the profit of man to gain? The whole world and lose his own soul, right? If you died right now, do you think you'd go to heaven? And if that male person, you just never know who's going to read that. So we got to find creative ways to get in their life. Purposefully go to the car show. It's every month, right? Purposefully go down there. Hey, the There's things you can do with that. Um, the other thing I had was... Um, That's pretty much it. Anyhow, I think I think I put it all out there for you. Anyhow, I just wanted to encourage you to don't be afraid. Let the Holy Spirit use you. Just walk up. You know, it's not like I have all of this scripted. I just walk up there and just begin to love on them, just care about them, show them some value, and they saw that. And so I want to encourage you guys to do that. So let me pray over you too. Can I do that real quick, Pastor? <laughs> yes or no? okay so uh, father god we just thank you that you have commissioned us to go into all of the world and preach the gospel in every tongue and every nation but father sometimes we just don't have the confidence that we need we need to be able to trust you so father we ask that you show up in, in each and everyone's life in a personal way that they can see that you are there and begin to build an atmosphere of trust so that when they're in front of people and they get nudged by you that they'll obey that and just go with it and let it go where it goes so, Father, we just thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for choosing us. Somebody told us, so let us be a mouthpiece in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. That
1: rap in the Bible, oftentimes you hear people talking about how impetuous or how impulsive he is. And he's, you know, I mean, we want that guy. We want the mark to, to get up. The thing about Peter, you know, they're in the garden. He's the only guy that whips the sword out and starts waving it around and cuts a guy's ear off. His aim might have been bad, but at least he was doing something. He's the first one. If you're we're in Acts now, we're going to be in Acts for a moment. Um, he's the first one that preaches openly the gospel. And and here's what I want you to catch: is Mark's got his well, You don't have to be Mark. I mean, you can watch you can watch uh, Ray Comfort videos just like Mark has in the past, and you can catch how how it works a good way to talk to different people and starting different starting points, I'm asking you to tell the part that you know. Most people know some aspect of the gospel. Tell the part that you know and then study to show thyself approved unto God. Learn more about the gospel and you'll do better next time. But there in Acts um, chapter 2, you see him initially witnessing regarding the gospel that is of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the first part of the testimony. It starts in Acts 1. Uh, 11 through 15 it says so so we have these angelics and they're saying men of galilee why are you looking up basically go to work stop standing here uh watching and go do and verse 12 then they returned to jerusalem from the mount called olivet or mount of olives as we call it, which is near jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey, so about a half a mile, no, no more than a half, half a mile. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room, and there they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, the scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke concerning by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Judas. Anyway, he, he begins, he's like, we need one other guy. We're going to get the 12th guy and then we'll, we'll go from there, right? The point is they were all in the room and one guy, Peter, maybe he was self-appointed. We got those guys, we got guys with weird personalities. They're, they're pushy. But they're used by God. And he called the rest of them a bunch of lazy slackers that are sitting there. It's good they were there together and that they were praying together. But Peter's like, we need to get going. We just saw the angels leave. We just had Christ tell us, go make disciples. We need to get going. All right, well, I'll tell you what we do. Let's all meet together and have a prayer meeting first. Okay, we'll have a prayer meeting. So in the prayer meeting, he's like, well, let's get going. And even then, they're kind of nervous. We, well, what would she do? You do first. What are we going to do first? We could go out and tell people the gospel. No, what if we elect another disciple? How about that? We'll get us another disciple. <laughs> Maybe he'll go and we can stay here. But, but Peter, man, God bless him. Because of Peter, we get the gospel today because he doesn't quit being bold. Go to Acts chapter 2. He takes, um, he takes advantage of the movement of God. Here's Peter taking advantage of the, the movement that God's doing anyway he takes advantage of it to promote the gospel, to get it moving. Acts chapter 2. So this is uh, 50 days from the time of the cross, not from the time of the resurrection, okay? So it's about 50 days from the time of the cross, Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had finally come, uh, we're at 2, 1 through 14. Uh, they were all, all these disciples, this same bunch of about 120 They're all waiting. Jesus said, go and wait, and I'm going to send you the comforter. Go and wait. I'm going to send my spirit. Go and wait. A part of me is returned. It's going to be with you. It's going to alight on you, and you're going to have the power to do these different things. So they were all in one accord, one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them the tongues of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They're all there because they're obedient. But God tells them to be there for Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. It's Pentecost. They're there. They're waiting for the move of God. This is the time of year that the high priest can, can approach different aspects of the temple and receive a word from God maybe. Day of Atonement is very similar. He receives a word from God in that. And so devout men from every nation, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. So we got the 120, then we got all these other people that are around, that we have this weather event of sorts happening in this one place, and it's attracting everybody. It's like when we hear an explosion when they were working on the interstate, or not when they were, but when they were working on Stone Peak, and they kept drilling and blasting up there. Every time they'd blast, somebody'd call me, man, that was so close to you, You something's going on. And then people would drive by and go watch them blast, which is a bad call, but whatever. They wanted to see what the deal was and what the noise was from, and so they went to that to go see what was going on. The multitude came together and was confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. All these people had been obedient to the Old Testament, which said, be in Jerusalem and do the Passover and do Pentecost. So they're all there to slaughter their lambs and have the meal and wave offerings and all the stuff. They're all there during that time for that. And then this God's working in the midst with this 120 plus the 12. And they were all amazed and marveled, verse 7, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful words of God. Um, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, he takes his chance. The God is moving. Stuff is happening. That's what Emily did this morning. I'm taking my chance. I'm going to pray right now. Will anyone come pray with me? And they did. She sees the movement and she begins to pray and others come. Peter, standing up with the 11, here's my chance, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. So he takes Advantage of the movement of God among the people and the Holy Spirit begins as the Holy Spirit falls on them and he begins to speak as, they give, as the Spirit gives utterance. Each man speaking a language, an actual language that other people from all about the region all the way to Rome which they'd had to cross the Med or gone all the way around to get there from Rome to where Israel is. Not that far across the sea but it's dangerous travel but, uh, but to go all the way around would be quite a few thousand miles. But uh, they had come this far and to hear from God, it shows God cares for men of all nations but he also cares for his people. To the Jew first and then the Greek. So he speaks the word. The Holy Spirit comes in a These people swarm around. They're all hearing it in their own language. These men are speaking it in languages. Some of the men knew the language I'm sure and some did not. And they're speaking the language. This is the true gift of tongues as they're speaking a known language. Men are hearing in their own language and they're and they're they they're as shocked as the guy speaking it. And and they're saying, How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Um It's amazing. And then it's crazy where he starts. He starts with the book of Joel. Peter starts with the book of Joel. Verse no, let's go to fifteen. Um For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. If you went to Joel, I'll read it to you. I'm going to read you this first, and then we'll read this here in the second part of Joel. But the book of Joel starts off this way. Joel 1, 2, and 3. Hear this, you elders, and give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Peter breaks out the book of Joel and he he kind of transliterates it. It's not the exact meaning of the book of Joel, that, but he uses a scripture from the Old Testament to, as a testimony to these people. But what I thought was so interesting in the very start of the book of Joel, it's like for us today. Have any of us ever seen a time like this? Our, our oldest people in the room here, Ray at 82, have never seen days like this in the United States of America. Never. I mean, we heard about our grandparents in the Great Depression. We heard about the suffering that went We're fixing to experience. But in our days, we have never seen economic collapse. In our days, in our country, we have not seen it. You're about to. You're going to see something. They're going to change our currency to digital, whatever they're going to do. They're going to mess us up. We've never seen a sexual immorality in our country like it is in these days. We've never seen the school systems completely just flop like they are and cave to the strangest teachings and most ridiculous thought processes. We've never seen God so blasphemed in the public square as we have in our days. Have you ever seen a day or did our fathers see that day? No. My dad and my mom, they lived through the best time in America. Your parents, this this age that was born around World War Two through they saw the very best America ever had as far as economy and being able to start businesses and wealth and as much clothes as you wanted to buy from the shelf, you didn't have to make it yourself. As much food as you could possibly eat in a in a thousand million meals. Go buy all you want. I mean, we've never seen days like this. For us to see days where restaurants can't get employees, or stores have to lay off people, or our biggest um, economic pushers and uh, you know Walmart is closing closing stores and laying off people. We we've, we've not seen days like this. We've only seen growth for the last 100 years or so. We've not seen this. We've seen dips, but we've not seen depression. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to go down that road too far, but I want you to get to the good stuff here. He starts speaking that in verse 17. It shall come today, come to pass in the last days, says our God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter grabbed on to that word. It shows how much Peter understood the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, because it's all they had. And he's writing the New Testament with his words right here as he speaks. And he says, this is like it says in Joel. He's going to pour pour his spirit out on all flesh. And we're here and we're seeing a spirit poured out. What do we do? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. This, This multitude here, he doesn't know these people. And these people don't know him. And they're speaking in tongues. And hearing in tongues, this is ridiculous. We've never seen such. Your old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. And on my manservants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I'll show wonders in heaven and above. And signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a wild service right there let me tell you they're all stunned at what's happening and he's talking about this day that peter's talking about is not the day that peter's in he saw the holy spirit poured out right then this is the end days this is the days that's closer to us than it was to peter but peter sees himself at the start of these days with the prophecies of the pouring out of the spirit and men prophesying men speaking in tongues people being healed miraculous things people being raised from the dead And then this is where it really gets good. Verse 22. Men of Israel, men men and women, children of Crossville, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Forever, moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope and you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life and you make me jo- uh, full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. If you can't give a testimony of the goodness of God, what he's done for you, that he took you, a sinner, and by the testimony of Jesus' Nazareth, a man attested by God by miracles, wonders, and signs, whom you helped put on the cross, and at some point you recognized your complete lostness and helplessness and went before him and cried out in repentance and faith, Jesus save me. If you've gone that far and no further, then you have the ability to give the testimony, which is right here in Acts chapter 2. You want everybody wants to get tattoos? Tattoo this on yourself. Tattoo that. And then you've got cheat notes right there. What do you call them? Cliff notes on your arm. And you see the guy and you go like, hang on just a second. Uh, A man of Cookville. (laughs) Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, who you killed and you put on the cross. He died for you and he sits today at the right hand of the Father making intercession for those that trust in him. That's enough. And then throw him the Bible track and run off. If that's all you got, that's good enough. That's a start. And I don't believe in leaving baby baby Christians out there to rot in the sun or in the cold or in the rain, but just point them to a church. Hey, I hear there's a good, ass- whatever, you name it, flavor. Assemblies of God, church, church, Christ, whatever. Send them to the church where they're preaching the gospel. I don't want to promote one over another. Baptist church, whatever. I want to promote the one because in different towns, different churches have the gospel right. I used to think it was this or that flavor, but I'm telling you, some of these guys are lost. Some of these pastors are preaching a false doctrine. Send them to the church that's finding the right doctrine, preaching the right doctrine. Go to the churches and hear it for yourself to make sure you're sending them to the right place. Bring them here. Give them the gospel and then bring them here with you. And we'll work on them and we'll disciple them and we'll develop them. But don't leave them in the wilderness. Give them a Bible. Tell them what to read. Tell them to read John. Tell them to read Ephesians. Those are good new believer books. Tell them to read James. Those are good new believer books. You don't have to be uh, Adrian Rogers. You don't have to be, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, J. Vernon McGee. You can be Mark Markelson up here and give them the gospel. And point them to the Word. If you don't want to disciple them, point them to a discipler. There's people that will do it. But begin with the Gospel. Go and make disciples. Teaching them, baptizing them. Take them over there to the creek. And put them in the water. And raise them up in newness of life. And make them alive. If you don't know what to say, say that. Start right there. It, it's simple. I'm serious. I, I told you too much. Let me let me back it up. Here's the Here's the Word. I was lost, and I was helpless, and I didn't know what to do, and I had no point at the rescue mission. What did that guy say? I don't know where I am or who I am. I can't remember what he said. Why I'm here. Huh? I don't fit in. Yeah. And, and Alva said, no, nobody does. Nobody fits in. This isn't our home. Our kingdom's in heaven. And everybody's struggling with the same dilemma. Just give them the truth. As best you can with your own words that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a martyr's death on the cross for you. He was completely innocent. He was put in the grave by godless men, but he rose again the third day, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. You can figure that out. Put it in your own words and say, man, you need to be saved. How do I get saved? This is my favorite part of the book of of Acts. In Acts chapter 2 and then in Acts chapter 3, look at this in... in uh, Uh, let's see here start at verse 36 peter still speaking boldly therefore let all the house of israel know assuredly you can take this to the bank gang that god has made this jesus whom you crucified both lord and christ you did too you had your part because you're full of sin so uh, uh the very best among us if you were going to say what your average sins per day was uh I read in one thing it said the average person sins at least 10 times a day. Okay. That seems kind of low for Mr. Alva, but whatever. Some people more, some people less. But say, man, that's 3,650 times a year. Times 10 years, that's 30,000. Times, you name the years, it's 100,000. It's 200,000 times. You think that you have the righteousness in you to overcome on your very best day the sin that you've produced on a daily basis for the last ever how many years you've been alive? No, sir. You're doomed, just like me. And Christ is our only hope. We put him on the cross. All of sins of all times, including all of yours, were poured out on him by the wrath of God so that we could live. Then Peter, now, oh, sorry, let me read that again. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the brethren, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation i want to read it to you out of chapter 3 look at verse 13 peter again different place speaking again and these he heals the lame men and all these people are amazed and peter saw uh, saw it that they were amazed that he healed this man and they responded to peter and peter said men of israel why do you marvel at this or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. And when he was determined to let him go, Pilate was going to let him go, and you said, crucify him. You denied the Holy One and the Just One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you in his place and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and his name... Through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given us his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did this in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer and he would be fulfilled, thus he he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19 Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. The testimony of the believer to the unsaved is you are under the wrath of God. Repent therefore and be converted that times of refreshing may begin in the presence of God. You're alone And you're lost in your darkness and separation from God. But by the word of the testimony of the prophet, of the messenger which you are, every person a minister of the gospel, by that testimony a person can repent and be saved and be, it says times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You can have his presence in your life. Man, Peter, he throws down some harsh words. You denied the Holy One. We've all done that. We've blasphemed His name. We've taken His name lightly. We've made jokes at His name. We've made little humorous quips. We thought other people would laugh when we, when we make little Jesus comments and, and jokes and, and light talk at the table and so on. And we should be ashamed for doing that. We've all done it. He said, y- you ask for a murder in place of an innocent man. Again, we've all done such things. We've tried to hold on to our personal sin and tried to have Christ in our sin as well. And he says, repent, turn from completely from your old life and follow him completely with your whole heart. And um, and you, it says that you killed the Prince of Light. We desired, it said, men desire darkness over the light in John. And that's what we did too, for a time. But he also said, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. We see do two different things. I don't want to get into that right now. One says repent and be baptized. One says repent and be converted. Either is good. Be baptized. If you've not been baptized, let's get it done. Many people are walking around. It's not that you're unsaved to be unbaptized, but it's part of obedience. It's part of demonstrating your obedience to Christ. He was baptized. He tells us to be baptized. Get baptized. What are you waiting for? Well, I'm scared. I'm afraid you're going to hold me under too long. I won't. I won't. I promise. Long enough that you're baptized. That's long enough. So boldness in our day to preach the gospel of peace to all men regardless of their response. This is our command of Christ until he returns. So many people, and they've asked me, you know, I don't know, I don't know what God wants me to do. I, I feel like God, I wish he'd send me a sign, you know, am I supposed to be a mission? This is what he tells you to do. Go make disciples. Go do that. Start there, baptizing, teaching them all the things I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Know that he's with you in the ministry. All of us called to be ministers of the gospel. I wanted to read you this one this one thing. I know we've gone long this morning, and it's all Mark's fault. But I will I want to read you this one normally be my fault, but today I got Mark to throw it on. This is from Charles Spurgeon of when he's talking about us as the church being the army of God. And I know at times you feel i know i do maybe you don't but you should (laughs) you feel very small and alone in your desire to see the gospel presented and you don't feel like other people are with you in the in the battle or you think that the church is growing weaker which it seemingly has in the united states tragically but that's you know that's fault of ours but not really it's a long-term fault of many christians in the past but we can we can take our part to do the part that god's called us to do so beginning today. Go be a a brave soldier, but listen here. We are a little detachment, brethren. We are a little detachment of the king's soldiers detained in a foreign country upon garrison duty. Yet we mean not only to hold the fort, but to add territory to our Lord's dominion. We are not to be driven out, but on the contrary, we're going to drive out the Canaanites for this land belongs to us. It is given to us of the Lord and we will subdue it. May we be fired up with the spirit of discoverers and conquerors and never rest while there yet remains a class to be rescued, a region to be evangelized. We are rowing like lifeboat men upon a stormy sea, and we are hurrying to yonder wreck where men are perishing. If we may not draw that old wreck to shore, we will at least by the power of God rescue the perishing, save life, and bear the redeemed to the shores of salvation. Our mission, like our Lord's, is to gather out the chosen of God from among men that they may live to the glory of God every saved man should under god a savior and the church is not in the right state unless she has reached this conception of herself the elect church is saved that she may save it's cleansed that she may cleanse it's blessed that she may bless wastelands are to be reclaimed in forests broken up by the plow until the solitary place begins to bloom and blossom as the rose we must not be content with holding our own we must invade the territories of the prince of darkness And last, it says, he that in his heart and soul is already ready to serve the very least of the family who expects to be put upon and willingly sacrifices reputation and friendship for Christ's sake, he shall fulfill a heaven-sent ministry. We are not sent to be ministered to, but to minister. This morning, if you've heard the word, I pray that you receive it in in the motive that it's been given, that you would be encouraged today to go and make disciples. If you don't know how to make disciples, well then come and I'll teach you how. Mark can teach you how. There's a number of people that can teach you how. But it's as simple as conversation. You begin with Vinnie accepted Christ. And we just sat down and we started reading New Life in Christ together. And we started filling it out, a little workbook. It's really simple. And we began to understand the things and the the basic principles of Christianity. To, To be a disciple is to be like the rabbi. And we need to be just like Christ was, as much as is possible. We need to be as much like Christ as we possibly can be. And we do that by practicing it's like a doctor practices medicine we practice being a Christian and practice following Christ in every day and everything that we do I pray that today is the day of your salvation if you're lost today and you're here without Christ I pray that today is the day you receive him and no longer harden your heart as in the days of the wilderness but you receive him begin to walk with him in newness of life and I pray also for those if you want to be baptized if you want to be members of our church if you want to come and be prayed for for sickness and healing and all the other things that, that are a part of the body of Christ come now and we'll wait for you. We have a we're going to I think we're going to re-sing that one song at the end, but just while you're there, first thing just be in your chair and 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 just in prayer, get your heart right and ask the Lord to reveal to you those he needs to you need to witness to. And begin there. Begin with your family. Speak to them. That's kind of the hardest people sometimes. Begin with your family. And then uh, so, be in a moment of repentance there while we sing the song again and then um, as you listen and just Enter quietly, and then we'll pray at the end.
0: Let's stand together.